listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 111. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Chris Broussard, award-winning journalist and broadcaster for Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports Radio. He shares how he developed his mindset to be one of the best sports reporters in the game. Chris contributes his success to being extremely prepared and not getting emotionally caught up in the moment, but getting mentally locked into the present. It is Chris's energy, faith, and love for sports that propels this reporter into greatness. You're interested in a full-body resistance training system to achieve your athletic and fitness goals? The Mass Suit from Juke Performance is your answer. The Mass Suit is a full-body resistance training suit that you wear during your exercising or sports-specific training to enhance your speed, strength, power, agility, and endurance. You are fully mobile, and it's great for plyometric and high-intensity training. It engages all muscle groups simultaneously and increases to a 50% caloric burn. Check out the Mass Suit at jukeperformance.com and other fitness-related products, and make sure to use the promo code GRANTPAR, one word, G-R-A-N-T-P-A-R-R, for your 10% discount. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm great, Grant. How are you? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I'm super excited to have you on my show, man. I can't wait to to pick your brain, uh, not only to pick your brain, but to understand your mindset as one of the top you know, announcers and commentators and analysts within the NBA and just kind of understand how you get prepared for for your job, but also understand like how you view NBA players, uh, coaches, what it takes to, to be an elite athlete within the NBA, and then also talk about leadership, something that you're very passionate about as far as doing keynotes and training on. So I'm, I'm really excited to share all of this with my listeners today. No, I'm looking forward to it as well. I think this will be a, uh, a great discussion that um, I, I not only will be sharing some things, but I hope to learn as well through this conversation with you. Beautiful. Well, let's, let's get it going, man. I, I, one of my favorite topics, obviously being a mental performance coach, is mental toughness. So when you think about being mentally tough or just mental toughness in general, what does that mean to you? I think mental toughness is the ability to get yourself to perform at your best um, on the biggest stage under the microscope when the most pressure is on because a lot of times um, people will fold or, you know, melt under the pressure of the spotlight, even under the, not whether it's the media spotlight, whether it's um, the stage, the, the, you know, the importance of the moment or the game, really tough athletes, in those situations, when he's faced with those uh, obstacles and circumstances, he can still be at his best, if not greater. Um, I think mental toughness is also uh, the ability to get yourself to be disciplined enough um, to prepare yourself for the moment and for the situation. The mentally toughest athletes that I've covered or watched um, they're experts at that. They're, they're experts at, you know, being able to focus and prepare to the point where they're ready for the biggest moment 
And then they're experts at being able to be at their best when the situation calls for it. So uh, that's kind of what, what mental toughness means to me. And I know this is not, it's not really a fair question because you've been, you've been in the game of basketball and covering it for a long time. So I can only imagine how many uh, experiences and games uh, that you have witnessed uh, in person. But if you were to kind of reflect on your career, can you share that, that, that one play or that one game or that one player that stands out without your, throughout your career that was incredibly mental, mentally tough in the moment? Yeah, you mean a player displaying that? Yeah. Um, I gotta be honest. The first, we obviously could think about you know moments that Michael Jordan had, right. um, even moments that Kobe Bryant had. The one moment that comes, and moments for him. Even I wasn't even a reporter at this time. I was just watching as a fan, but obviously, you know, I've analyzed him and watched him over the years, listened to him and studied him, is Muhammad Ali. Mm. I think the reason we view Muhammad, like Muhammad Ali is the greatest. He wasn't the hardest hitter in the heavyweight division. Um, his it may be what would have been his best years three years when he was in exile were taken away from him. But Muhammad Ali, you know, always his will to win was so strong that he always was able to be, you know, to overcome obstacles, not just physical obstacles, but mental obstacles. I mean, for him to face a George Foreman, who had demolished a guy, Joe Frazier, that had beaten Ali and demolished other guys that had given Ali trouble or beaten him. And to go into, when your own entourage and trainers thought you were going to lose the fight and possibly get hurt badly, um, for you to have the mental toughness (laughs) and the belief in yourself to go into that situation and think you could win um, and perform to the best of your ability um, and to come up with a strategy and a game plan that your, your corner did not recommend, but in the midst of the fight, you see, you, you decide and realize that this is a strategy to, and this goes for many of his fights to talk uh, his psychological warfare was strong too, yeah. because a lot of his talk before the fight was to build up his own confidence and to demoralize or take away some of the confidence uh, of the opponent, get the crowd on his side and, and away against the opponent. That's why I always said would have beaten Mike Tyson both in their prime not only because of his boxing skills, but I think Muhammad Ali would have really demolished Tyson in the, in the uh, press conferences. And before the fight even started mentally, he would have uh, gained a huge advantage over Mike Tyson. So when I think of the athlete who was the most mentally tough in my lifetime, I think of Muhammad Ali and second would be Michael Jordan. Yeah. 
That, that's beautiful. The thing about Ali, man, he was a and he was a samurai. He was like a ninja when it came to to getting you out of focus. And he was he was just incredible. I mean, yep. he was a he was a wordsmith. And he um and and there's a lot of people that don't do that for a lot of reasons because people deem you as cocky. Um, and people thought Ali was cocky, but I think he was actually operating from more of a confidence standpoint, and which there is a difference between being co- confident and cocky. But I love I love that you bring up Ali because he, man. Talk about being being vulnerable with himself, trusting himself, and lighting people up, and also right. you know what, having fun. You could tell like there was a point in the prime of his of his career he was just having fun. Well, that's a great point, and I think especially for this day and age, and we've heard you know, I think it was a, roughly a year ago the NBA said that many of the players in the NBA aren't happy. And Kyrie Irving, one of the superstars, I think a future Hall of Famer in the NBA, came out and said, yeah, he's right. And um, you think about this, and these guys have all the money they could dream about. They've got access to anything in life that they could want materially. Um, They have all types of fans and, you know, just opportunities galore in front of their face. I mean, there's nothing you could offer them uh, materially in this earth uh, that they couldn't get. And yet many of them aren't happy. Um, And a lot of points to social media. And I think that's one of the reasons I don't think the only reason, but um, with social media, with the the media climate overall today, where, you know, every move and action of these top athletes is scrutinized. I'm in that business, you know, so on radio or television with the debate shows every single day, these guys are being critiqued uh, on social media, being critiqued, often criticized. Um, And even if they're praised, those can, it can be tough in this environment today to be happy and to have fun, um, even though you're doing playing the game that you've wanted to play your whole life and you're at the level you've dreamed of getting to your whole life. So I think that's an important thing to understand today for these athletes. There's so much pressure on them, so much scrutiny on them nowadays that it can be a challenge for them to have fun. And they're not going to be at their best unless there is an element of fun to it. I don't think, you know, um, and so I think that it's, it's great that you brought that up. And I think that's a form of mental toughness too. Like what I would say is a part of mental toughness too, is recognizing who you are and what type of person, what type of person you are. Like you need to be able to take self inventory and say, okay, I'm not the type of person that can read all of this criticism of me or social media or whatever and perform at my best. Or I, I am the type of person I'm fueled by the criticism on television. You have to be able to, un- to know who, what type of person you are because there are different personalities. And whichever type of person you are, not that we can't grow and change and get better at things, but you have to recognize 
okay, that's the type of person I am. I'm not, I'm not reading thousands of people criticize me on social media. So you know what? Even though I want to be on social media, even though I don't, I'm not going to do it because that's not going to help me be at my best. And that takes a level of mental toughness to, to do that, you know, or, or, or the other extreme. Totally. And, and I love that you bring up the point of knowing who you are. And, I, and you and I have talked about this in the past, but when you think about playing sport or embracing your role, that's what you do. It's not who you are. And when you truly understand who you are, you have a better, you have a better sense of self. You can actually you know, make better decisions, whether if you're going right. to connect to social media or listen to the critics. And so with that being said, you know, especially with, with your role, you're very visible. You're, you're on all the media streams. Obviously, you're, you're one of the best at what you do. I can only imagine that you have to hear of the critics and the haters. How do you deal with that personally, and, and how do you block out that noise? Well... I am obviously on social media and, um, you know, Twitter, Instagram and all that, but I don't, I, I quite honestly, I don't see 99%, if not more of the stuff that's put out about me on social media. <laughs> for one, for one, I'm, I mean, heck I'm older. I didn't grow up with social media. So, you know, I do, you know, ministry outside of, of my career at Fox Sports One as a broadcaster. And I use social media for that. So I use social media as a means to an end. I don't use social media for entertainment. You know, I'll be honest, if it weren't for my job, I might not even, or, or my ministry, I should say, I don't think I'd even be on social media. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just so, so just the way I grew up, Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't pay a lot of attention to it um, number one. So that's one reason I don't see a lot. And two, I don't believe, and, and you know, I get, like you said, I get praise on social media. I get criticism on social media, man, human beings. I don't believe friend of mine said this, but I thought it was very profound and true. He said, human beings aren't built for excessive praise or excessive criticism. And I'm talking about really excessive. Yeah. You know, um, I believe God is the one who we should praise excessively. When we are praised to a ridiculous degree, it we get arrogant, we get big-headed, we lose sight of reality. You know, there are many negatives that come with that. It, it, now, we may be able to perform great in our field of endeavor, but maybe in our personal relationships, it destroys it destroys those or messes those up, ruins them. Maybe in our internally, you know, when we're by ourselves, it it messes with us. You know, whatever it may be, um, your sense maybe it creates an insecurity in you. And so those are some of the negatives I think that can come from excessive praise as a human being. And then we're not built to just, you know take in all this criticism, you know, so recognizing that that's another reason that I'm not really one to, you know, pay attention a lot to the social media and what's being said. And then thirdly, when I do see stuff that's critical of me and negative, uh, I rely on my faith. 
and, you know, my faith in God and knowing my identity in God and who he's made me, what he said about me, the purpose he's given me. Um, I, 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 I rest on various scriptures um, that will address, you know, identity and security and things like that. And so um, those are really the ways that I am able to, you know, stay above the fray, if you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, and I love it. Like as you were talking, uh, I was I'm I'm hearing my my mentor Graham Bedchart in my head. He's actually uh, Aaron Gordon's mental performance coach and has been since he was I think 13 years old. But when you talk about social media and you talk about you know the critics and the praise, it's it's interesting. You know, Graham has coached me through a lot of these different scenarios throughout my career. You know, but when it comes to social media, he was like, "Listen, social media is is a good tool and it can be a bad tool. It, it, and if you treat it bad, right. if you don't have a good relationship with it, it's an it's emotional warfare." So he goes, "You're and it's kind of like what, mm-hmm. how you're dealing with it." He's like, "Put great content, content that's authentic and you connect with and you believe in, and then walk away from it." And if someone wants to have a good positive conversation about what you said, great, connect with them. But if it's negative, and you can't control that negativity. You can control the decision on how you want to deal with it and respond to it. And he goes, and if there's critics right. out there, man, it's like, if you know you're good, if you truly know that you're good and you're connected and you're where your feet are and you're being vulnerable and you're trusting yourself, you're bringing a good attitude and effort, who gives a shit what people are saying? You can't control what they think of you. What matters is how you think right. about yourself, right? So, so yeah, you're, you're preaching the gospel there. Well, you know, that that's um I mean, I, I've never seen a mental coach or, you know, been been coached by one, so to speak. But that's great to hear that uh I'm on the same page with <laughs> with uh your mentor because <laughs> that, that confirms that what I'm doing is right. But uh that's just kind of my own, you know, for my own prayer life, meditation, um, knowing who I am, what type of person I am. That's just how I've, uh, you know, decided and learned to deal with it. But like I said, it's good to know that that's in line with some of the top uh, mental coaching techniques and strategies out there. Totally, man. It, it, it keeps you focused, keeps you focused on the right things. And, and, and speaking of that, um, your mindset, your your mindset as a reporter, as an analyst, how would you describe your mindset before, you know, getting on TV, getting on radio? How would you describe your mindset? Um, well, there is a level of performance to what we do when you're on television and radio. So um, you always want to be at your best and... Um, you know, make sure your mind is clear and, you know, you just, let me back up. Maybe the first step is preparation. And that's obviously true, whether you're an athlete or uh, a broadcaster or whatever it may be, the more like when you're prepared for something and you know, you're prepared and you know, your subject, that's going to give, give you the tools you need to shine at whatever it is you're doing. So, the first thing is preparation. Um, and I guess mentally you have to have the discipline to prepare yourself uh, for what you do. 
But if you want to be the best broadcaster you can be, you have to combine those with preparation and knowing your subject matter. So that's the first thing is um, having the discipline to prepare yourself properly. And then I think not focusing on how big the moment or the stage is. If I'm, you know, playing in the NBA finals, I can't sit there and, you know, I, I don't think I can just totally be absorbed and consumed with how big this event is and how much is riding on it and what the ramifications are and, you know, all what's going to be said if we win, what's going to be said if we lost, you know, all of that. Because I, I think you're making the event so big in your head that you can't, you know, play at your best. It's similar with what we do. If I'm focused on now, there are millions of people watching or listening or hundreds of thousands of people watching me, listening to me, you know, thinking or saying or will think or say if I say this or say that, um, then I don't think I'll be able to perform at my best. So you hear athletes say, you just got to treat it like any other game. That's what they mean by that. Mm -hmm. I can't go into this thinking, this is the biggest game of the season. It's the, you know, right. it's the biggest game of, of the decade. You got to just think, it's another game. I've been doing this my whole life. I'm just going to go out there and ball like I always do. And it's the same thing with what I do. And I also think when you're called to something, when you're where you're supposed to be, it's easier to do that. Because you don't get, like, I, I think, a great, like a Michael Jordan or a LeBron James or Kobe, or any of these great basketball players or football, whatever it is, I think they, they clearly are doing what they've kind of been gifted to do. And so I don't think when a Kobe Bryant would achieve a greatness, I don't think he sat there and laid back and said, and just, you know, got caught up in what he just did. I think he uh, understood it and was satisfied, and, and this was great that I was able to do it, but I'm on to the next thing because this kind of what you're called to do, and you're thinking about, all right, it's time to go win another one. or it's, you know, And that's how I am. Like when I do my show or do whatever, if I feel like we did a great show or – I gave a great speech somewhere because I do a lot of public speaking. I don't get caught up in, wow, I'm, I, I'm satisfied. I'm content that I did a good job, but I, I just don't, you know, let it consume me and I move on and I'm knowing, okay, I got to do it again or, you know, and so I think that comes with, you know, being or calling. Absolutely. You know, and it's, uh, you know, the word that I love that you use is next. So when you think about these elite uh, athletes and coaches, it's about being present to what's happening and what just happened, but it's about next. Uh, even in basketball, next place speed. It's about next. You know, it's about, I mean, you, you know what I mean? So I love it that, that you, that's kind of your mindset of next. And also, when you bring up the whole idea of uh, the meaning like, because people are meaning-making machines. We make meaning out of the NBA Finals, the the World Series, Super Bowl, 
But guess what? There's no, nothing's changed about the game. Nothing's changed except for there's really good right. players that we've been watching all year long. Nothing's changed about the rules. Nothing's changed about the the ball. Right. right? The rim's the same. And it brings me back to the the game or the the movie Hoosiers, where Gene Hackman, the first time they make it, they make it to the the tournament, and you can just see the players. They they walk into like this massive stadium. It's empty, and they're like in awe. You know, and I don't know if you remember right. that, that moment, but Gene Hackman was like, hey, you know, to the assistant coach, get a ladder, and I want you to, you know, measure the, how high the hoop is. So they measure the hoop. Right. The right. rim. And he goes, nothing's changed. Right? So it's... That's right. And I love it that how your mindset, like that, even as a reporter, as an analyst, that, you know, you don't get caught up into the, the hype of it all. You check your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts. You know, there were... During my career... You know, I've written game stories about the NBA Finals, All-Star Games, um, you know, Michael Jordan. I wrote a game story for Michael Jordan's first game back with the Wizards, his last game of his career with the Wizards. I wrote a game story for LeBron's first game of his career in Sacramento. Like, NBA, I've written tons of, you know, big-time stories or, or about big-time events for the New York Times. Um, no less the arguably the best paper in the world. And there there have there are stories of reporters who were covering the final four or covering a huge game and just kind of melted mm. and couldn't do it. Because as you said, they got it got in their head how big this moment is. And to your point. Um, that was something I always like, you know, you had to stay in the moment and not let, not focus on how big this is, not focus on, okay, I'm writing the story about Michael Jordan, the last game of his career for the New York times <laughs> and everybody <laughs> in all the, all across the country is going to read this and see, like, you can't be focused on that. And I don't mean belittle it to the point where you don't recognize it's a big deal. Right. But you have to be able to, like you said, stay in that moment and just be able to perform at your best under those circumstances. And I'll say something too. Sometimes, you know, I don't really, I don't write game stories and and stories for the most part anymore. But it was interesting to me during my career as a beat writer. For the most part, when you were writing game stories, you were you were under the gun. You're on a deadline. So a lot of we're, I'm writing during the game, and typically would have to send a story as soon as the game's over. And then you'd have maybe an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, to write another story, get your interviews in the locker room, and then write a better version of your story or a new story completely. And I was able to do that, you know, and write good stories under the, that in that time frame. But then there would occasionally be a game where it was in the afternoon and we would have, heck, five, six hours to write a story, you know. And uh, sometimes in those situations, because I took my writing seriously, I, I wanted to write great stories. There are times I've labored over every word and sentence. A lot of times in those situations where I had four or five hours to write a story, 
I, it would take me much longer. You know, I would take three hours or sometimes essentially the whole time to write the story. And I don't think it would be any better necessarily, but it was, you know, I wasn't uh, sometimes able to just summon that same, you know, discipline um, to just write it in an hour or whatever, like, like normal, you know? Right. So that was always interesting. And again, it'd be one thing if I could look back and say, you know what, that, that four hour story was so much better. (laughs) Well, when you think about it, like, again, your, your, your mindset, when you're, when you're interviewing a LeBron James, when you're sitting across from one of the best players, um, what, what is that like for you? And What's it like getting prepared for those interviews? And, and do you get nervous? Like, how do, you, how do you deal with your nerves? Or, or maybe you don't get nervous. You, you know, you, you're trained in how to prepare for these things. And you read, you know, all the stories. And, you know, you, you come up with the angle that you want to get to. And, you know, I always would, you know, write my stories out. Not that I'm sitting there looking at them as I'm interviewing a person, but, you know, just easier for me to memorize it or, or, you know, get it in my head when I write it down. So in doing that, I would have the questions in my head and, and, you know, so prepare for it that way. Um, But then also at the same time, be ready where if the person you're interviewing says something that you're not so robotic and these are the questions I'm going to ask, that you can always follow up question off of what he said. So um, that's part of the preparation. And I think sometimes, I, I, I guess sometimes I'm the type of person where, you know, this goes back to, and we talked about this when we interviewed you on our I Couple radio show, myself and Rob Parker. We always hear athletes say, or coaches talk about athletes and say, they're thinking too much because you want, you need to be able to react instinctively to kind of be at your best. And I think that's why when I was on deadline, when you write on deadline, you don't have time to think, you know, you just, you just are writing. You're just using the gifts that you have in you, the talent and the abilities and the training that you've done to get to that level. And you just have to rely on that. You can't overthink it and, and think too much. Like I've interviewed, I interviewed Bill Clinton at an NBA game on national television. I can't get caught up in, this is the president, the ex-president, you know, mm-hmm. the, one of the most popular presidents we've had. Yeah, I'm just, you have to, you, you can't think too much. Now, obviously you want to think about and know the questions you want to ask and where you want to go with the interview, but then you kind of have to let trust in your preparation and the talent and the training that you've had to get you through that. And I think it's like an athlete when I step, when they step to the foul line, you can't think too much about shooting that free throw. You have to trust in your muscle memory, your preparation, your talent, and just go up there and, and, and shoot it, you know? And so um, in those situations um, that, where how I've been able to handle them I haven't gotten caught up in wow I'm interviewing LeBron or because I I, part of that may be I don't know if it's some special mental strength or not but it's just the it's what I do you know like when I when I meet 
when I see a Michael Jordan or I see a Magic Johnson or LeBron or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or somebody like that, I don't get phased because that, I, that's what I do. I see, I see superstar athletes all the time, you know? Um, and so I think that that keeps me from, you know, being starstruck, if you will. And so I think for, for those listening, if you get in this business and you do it for a little while, you, you, you won't be starstruck and your training teaches you not to be starstruck either. So I think that's, it just comes with, this is what you do. And that's why I said, same with the athlete. I, I don't think a, a great athlete is getting too caught up in the moment and the, the magnitude of it there. This is what they do. So they're used to it. Those who are the best. Totally. Yeah. And you know, I, I love this quote that, uh, that Michael Jordan actually was one of these videos that I, I saw not too long ago on, on YouTube, but he was talking about his preparation and he said, you know, having a little fear and being fearful is okay. You can actually use that energy to, for your performance. But if you're scared, that means you're not prepared. So use mm. use that fear. But if you're scared, then you're not prepared. And and he goes, and you should never step on the court being unprepared. No, I think that's a great quote. And I think it's great that he was able to decipher the difference between fear and being scared. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, I've heard Mike Tyson, Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, all these, and apparently maybe Michael Jordan was saying it, and, and all these great athletes say, you know, you you step onto the court or whatever, yeah. but you can use that. And yeah, I, I don't want to fail, you know, at what I'm doing, you know? So there's always that level of whether it's butterflies or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> right? Uh, just because you, you, you want to be at your best and you want to do well. Um, but, being afraid is totally different and, and or being scared. Yeah. And fear, fear can be a motivator. Yes. Fear can be a good thing. You know, um, you know, I mean, this is a whole kind of unrelated way, but you know, fear can lead you to get out of a situation you shouldn't be in, you know, or fear can lead you to, uh, to fight. And, and prevail in a situation you have to be in, you know? So fear, when properly used, can be uh, a, a strength. But uh, being afraid is a totally different thing because I think Jordan put it perfectly. You know you're not prepared. <laughs> right. You know you're not good enough. You know you're not ready. And you know you is a very good chance you're about to get embarrassed, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. I love that he he kind of put the, the the two, you know. I mean, me me thinking, you know, I can step onto an NBA court and play uh, with the best players in the world. That's not mental toughness. That's foolishness. You know what I mean? And so, and I think those who are the mentally toughest. Um, are able to decipher those fine lines and get on the right side of the line. Big time. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Now a couple questions here before we sign off, cause I want to talk about leadership. Uh, and I know that 
you know, you speak on it, you train on it. Uh, I know it's it's near to your heart um, about leadership, and I can only imagine just the in your role you have witnessed incredible uh, leaders, uh, coaches, and also players. But what what motivated you to to kind of plug into this leadership socket to to talk about it and teach it? Well, I think it's very necessary. You know, um, number one. Um, leadership i mean we need great leadership in every at every level you know whether it's a school whether it's a, a government whether it's a an a corporation a team leadership is critical and no matter how much talent you have if you don't have the proper leadership you may do well but you won't maximize your talent and we look at and Michael Jordan's a great example. I mean, heck, Michael, Kobe, Shaq, Tim Duncan. Yeah. What do all of those guys have in common? They didn't win championships without a great leader leading the way. Michael Jordan never won it without Phil Jackson. Same with Kobe. Yep. Uh, Shaq won it with Phil Jackson and Pat Riley. Um, Tim Duncan never won it without Greg Popovich. You know, so they had the talent. Now, Duncan never got the chance. That's the only person he ever played for. But those other guys are the only ones they won it with because they had great leadership. That And it may have done different things. Some of the leaders, you know, it may have been presenting the proper game plan. Some of the leaders, it may have been getting them to, you know, be able to get in the right head space and mental space. Some may have given them, you know, had a great way to motivate God. You know, whatever it was, they were able to, you know, that these great players needed and maximize, to maximize their great ability. And so leadership is critical. And so that's, what, that's why I've, you know, kind of stepped into that arena. And for myself, you know, being a father and a husband, you know, on the, on the level I have to exhibit. And um, so that, you know, working through that and, and leading my family and to success and, and so on and so forth, that's a, a, a level that I've learned a lot of leadership on. And what's made me, that, that was something that made me and a student of leadership. And because I obviously wanted to, my daughters to, you know, be able to lead them in the right way so that they could have a great life. And my wife lead, you know, lead the family in the right way so that we could, you know, be all that we were, you know, created to be and have great experiences as a family. So that's really one of the places that it was just driven into my, like they just came to my attention where, this leadership thing is really important. And so when I look at some of the great all-time leaders, one that I always look at uh, was Dr. Martin Luther King. And I think one of the great things about him that made him a great leader, uh, one, he had great courage. This is a man that, you know, put himself, I mean, his life on the line. Um and so that type of courage, I think, is necessary um, among great leaders. Um, secondly, Martin Luther King looked at 
he put others' uh, needs and wants above his own. Martin Luther King was a middle-class preacher. He could have easily said, I'm going to, you know, I got it going on. I'm just going to focus on, you know, my life. And it's unfortunate for those who don't have what I have, but hey, I can't solve the problems of the world. No, he put their needs, you know, because he had compassion and he cared about others, not just himself. Jesus Christ, one of the other great, you know, another great leader in world history. He put the needs of others ahead of his own, you know, desires. You know, there's this an episode in the Bible that talks about Jesus praying to the Father and saying, if you can, this was before he went to the cross, he said, if you can take this away from me, if there's another way I can do this, <laughs> then let's do it. <laughs> but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so he knew, I want to help people. I want to be an example for people. I want to deliver people in to, to greater heights. And I'm going, if, if it means sacrificing on my own, if it means, you know, bringing, making myself uncomfortable, then I'm willing to do it for these people. Martin Luther King was like that, as I said. And so I think that that's something that a part of leadership, leadership, that may not be what thing you want to do. But when you're talking, leadership is about others. Leadership is about leading other people. It's not about your own selfish desires or even desires that may not be selfish, may be legitimate. If you step into that realm of wanting to be a leader, then you have got to take other people's needs and wants into consideration. Because as a leader, you're talking about leading others. And so that's one thing I learned from, from those two figures. Like, I'll give you a great example in the world of sports. Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich, one of the greatest coaches of all time, and a great leader. But Greg Popovich's coaching style, if you notice, he's adjusted to the strengths of his players. So when he had Tim Duncan and David Robinson, they played – uh, a, a, a game that was focused on their big men. And then it became focused on Tim Duncan and playing with him as the focal point of the offense. And then, and it was a defense first mentality. But then as Duncan got older and the personnel changed, it became offense first. And defense, yeah, we still have to play good defense, but we're an offensive first team. That's our focus. And then Tony Parker, as Duncan got older and Tony Parker entered his prime, Tony Parker became the focal point of the offense. And then, you know, it, it shifted. The year they beat the Miami Heat in the playoffs, the three-point line, which has never been something that Popovich focused on a ton, that became a big part of their offense. Belichick wins championships by how? They would have a different game plan <laughs> weekly or sometimes, you know what I mean? Like right. what is, so who we're facing, we're adjusting. We're going to focus on the tight ends this week. 
We're going to throw it outside this week. We're going to be led by the run game this week. You know, whatever it took, this is the way we do it. We are a run-and-gun team. We play fast. And no matter what my personnel, this is how we're going to play. Mm. Those coaches don't have as much success. And that's, that's because those coaches are saying it's about me and what I do. And they're in a position of leadership, but they're focused on me and what I do. Leadership is understanding it's about them. It's about what they do well, what they need to have success, and subjugating their ego to that. And so I think that's a huge part of leadership that oftentimes gets overlooked. You know, sometimes leaders focus, focus on themselves and don't focus on the people they're trying to lead. And I think that's a grave mistake. And I think when you look at the greatest leaders uh, in different fields, they've, they've more been focused on the people they're leading and what they need to be successful. Every time I'm, I'm on podcast or I'm working with coaches and people ask me the question about leadership, you know, leadership is, has nothing to do with you. It has to do everything around you. And obviously right. the only thing about you is how you execute and, and how you, you know, uh, work with people. Um, but to be honest with you, the best role in the world, I don't care what profession, what team, what sport, it's about the role is to be a servant or being in service. It's the best role. When you actually get to, you know, share your energy and affect people and make it about them, it's just a, it's just a beautiful place to be in. No question. No question. Um, when you're a leader and you're not making it about others, you know, you're, you're making it too much about yourself, yourself. And I, and you won't be at your best. And, and certainly the people you're leading, I don't think will be at their best if you're making it too much about yourself. And in a lot of cases, they can see that too. A hundred percent. You know, a couple quick questions here before, uh, before we sign off here. Now rattle these off the, the, all-time leaders in NBA players, and also the top five all-time coaches from a leadership standpoint. <laughs> All right, <laughs> and you want them rattled off. Yeah. Um, I guess leaders leaders that come to my mind would be um, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, mm. Isaiah Thomas, Tim Duncan. There you go. And I, I do want to throw, uh, I, I kind of want to throw Steph in there, but I'll I, I stick with those five. <laughs> uh, and, and they lead in different, you notice all those guys lead in different ways. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, but they all have aspects. Like, I think Duncan, you know, he wasn't the most vocal guy necessarily. But, and, this, and I put Steph right there with Duncan in this regard. They led by, like, they were coachable. They led by example. I know that's a cliche. Oh, they led by example. That doesn't mean that means they didn't say a lot. No, Duncan, and I actually throw Tom Brady in here too. Duncan, Tom Brady, and Steph Curry. They led by kind of like we just said, thinking of others and not being so caught up in their ego. And to the point where they could take a Bill Belichick, a Greg Popovich yelling at them or coaching them hard and not being like, man, I'm a superstar. What are you yelling at me? What are you talking? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, how dare you talk to me like that? 
No, they let that they could take it and they allowed it to to be coached that way. Greg Popovich has always said Tim Duncan allowed him to coach him. Being the superstar, it led every all the other teammates to step to to stand step in line. Because when you saw a Tim Duncan be yelled at, or Tom Brady get yelled at, or Steph Curry, you know, uh, sacrifice his ego for the team, then you know you're gonna do it because they're the, they're better than you. <laughs> right. They've been great leaders in that regard. So those I'll give you those five. And then um, from a coaching standpoint. I'd have to go Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, um, uh, five, because I have never thought about this in in that regard. Um, Man, because I got great coaches running through my head, but I'm trying to think in terms of leadership. Um, Like I want one that's really – I'll say Pat Riley. Oh, yeah. Pat Riley. They're really just jumping out at my head. I don't want to just give you, like you said, just a great coach, but a great leader. Um, I know you want it fast. So I'm trying to. <laughs> what, is, what is. Really. What about uh, Doc Rivers? Does he does he make the list at all? Or is he just a good coach? Yeah, Doc is one I'm I'm thinking about. I think Doc is a great leader. Now, Doc has some issues. You know, he, he didn't. I don't think he. I think he was tremendous with Boston uh, and their big three that they brought together. I don't think he was great with the big three with the Clippers, Hmm. you know, with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. Now, some of that was on the players, but you have to be able to get over that. Now, he's doing a great job now. So I think it's been a little bit up and down, but, but I can put, we can throw Doc in there. Um, and then, uh, cause I'm running out of time. <laughs> um, let me think. Uh, I might go with a Chuck Daly. Oh, Chuck Daly. Oh yeah. Who was, a, did a great job. Yeah. With, with not only the Detroit Pistons, but that team USA. Um, so yeah, I, I'll go with those guys. Awesome. Awesome. Well, when you reflect on your whole career, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? When I reflect on my whole career, wow. Um, I don't know if this falls in the category of learning about myself, but I've learned that the importance of being versatile I don't want to say reinventing yourself because obviously it's all connected. So I don't, it's not a total reinvention, but like, if you look at my career, I've been able to, you know, move into various aspects of the media business. So when I started out, I was strictly a writer moved into television. Well, actually and moved from newspaper writing to magazine writing, mm. you know, and being able to adjust to that. Cause there's a big difference. It's a, it's a different style of writing. So I moved from newspaper writing to magazine writing and then to television, you know, and, and then to radio, you know, now I have a, a national radio show, a national daily radio show. I, and I look back 
at guys, there are some people I can look back to at various stages of my career who didn't adjust um, and didn't reinvent themselves. And with the climate being what it is today in the media business, you know, haven't been able to keep progressing in the, in the, in the field. So I think that's something that's helped me. That's awesome, man, man. It's a, that's a cool perspective, um, man, to, to navigate through the media and all the different forms. And, and I mean, that's, I can only imagine it's tough. So talk about mental toughness. (laughs) Um, (laughs) right. So that's cool. Now, how, how can my um, followers or listeners, how can they follow you on social media and tune into your radio show? How can they connect with you? Well, on social media, on Twitter, I'm at Chris underscore Broussard, B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D. On Instagram, I'm Chris Broussard 68. Um, and then anybody that's interested in having me speak, uh, they can go to my website, Chris Broussard speaks.com chris broussard speaks.com and you know uh fill out you know you can register to have me speak at your school or you know corporation wherever it may be um and then as far as television you can catch me uh, on any of the fox sports one shows undisputed with skip and shannon the herd with colin cowherd or first things first um, and then on um, radio, I do a national daily radio show called The Odd Couple with Rob Parker. That's from 7 to 10 Eastern time, Monday through Friday, 4 to 7 Pacific. Uh, and it's on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app, or Sirius XM Channel 83. So if you're in, we're in a roughly 350 markets. So, so yeah, that's where they can find you. All right, man. Well, Chris, this has been this has been awesome. Uh, thank you for your your sharing your mindset and your journey and just your whole career, um, man. I know, and you have so much more to do within your career. But what you've done so far uh, in the game of basketball and just in the game of you know the realm of sports has just been incredible. And and thank you so much for being on my show today. Appreciate it. It was a it was a, a lot of fun, and uh, it was it was a joy talking with you. <laughs> 